1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the Editor-in-Chief over at ArrowheadPride.com. John, it is Thursday, August 27th, just a few days of training camp remain, and then it'll be time for the regular season.
2: Yeah, and we won't get much information probably between the time training camp ends and the
1: regular season begins, but it's another day closer, and that's always good. Yeah, pulling the curtain back a little bit for the listeners and the readers and so on and so forth. This was the last day that any reporters at all could be in the practice facility. It was actually yesterday, but they are now able to go for stretch, but that's about it. So any details Mm -hmm. that even they were getting are no longer going to be emerging. And we are right now 14 days from Thursday night opener. Kansas City Chiefs at Houston, Texas, 22% Arrowhead Stadium capacity. So a lot can change over two weeks. A lot of it we won't know about. So I think there'll certainly be some surprises that oh, yeah. happen on Thursday night where we say, Wow, that person is starting because we're not gonna have any idea what changed from now until then. Plus, the final cutdown is on
2: uh the fifth, which is a week from Saturday. And uh, we'll have a shorter time to evaluate all of that before the season begins, All the rest of the teams are going to have a week to absorb all that information and figure out what it all means. And uh, we'll be in a rush to do that before the regular season game begins.
1: Yeah, typically in training camp, I'll try to put together at least three or four 53-man roster projections. You know, I did one this year. Off. Yeah, slacker. included John Lovett. And <laughs> I said... Well, after that went down the way it did, I don't think I'm going to do one more because I don't know exactly what's going on just like you. Uh, well, it's so, too hard to it's too yeah, hard
2: to tell. It, it really is. is. You it can't is. really get, you don't have any information to base it on, so you might as well be throwing a dart at the board.
1: Well, here we go. Let's throw some darts at the board for this show. On this show, we'll go through some news topics. The latest when Kansas City Chiefs news that you have to know. The assistant coaches actually spoke today, which is why you're getting this show later than you usually do. Usually you get it about noon or one. By the time this gets in your podcast feed, it's probably going to be about five thirty six maybe in 6.30, something like that. So we were able to go through some assistant coaches sound. We'll put that full on the podcast network probably sometime tomorrow, but we'll go through some of the major things we learned today. And then we'll finish up with Mark Donovan's comments, the ones that stood out from his availability. You actually could listen to that full thing already. All 27 minutes are available in the last from the podium, but we'll go through some of the highlights and then we'll wrap this thing up. The best Chiefs thing I heard all week, by the way, is just going to be that we're done with this week because this feels like the never-ending week. (laughs) I think this podcast might go a little long, so we're not even going to have that segment. We'll push that to to next week, but let's get started here. There's a lot of Chiefs news I want to get to. Right now, we are in an interesting time once again in the world. And listen, I know right now there is a percentage of you right there that are rolling your eyes. I know some people are going to say, talk ball, talk ball. So for all you talk ball people out there, we will. We're going to talk about the Chiefs X's and O's on this podcast, but this is a Kansas City Chiefs podcast, and this is what the Kansas City Chiefs are talking about right now. And so really the world is talking about the Jacob Blake shooting, the viral video that went crazy on the internet, I guess, over the weekend. And it started to seep into sports. We've seen cancellations in the NFL. We've seen cancellations in the NBA and MLB and NHL as of tonight. On Tuesday, the Detroit Lions canceled practice to protest and to talk about racial injustice. Nine teams canceled practice today. They were the Chicago Bears, the Denver Broncos, the Arizona Cardinals, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Indianapolis Colts, the New York Jets, the Green Bay Packers, the Tennessee Titans, and the Washington football team. Andy Reid actually commented about whether the Chiefs would miss any practice due to this news event on Wednesday
3: yeah so Herbie one of the great advantages I've got here is I have a great locker room that communicates and so I'm able to talk to the guys and get a feel with the guys Um, there's obviously concern and um, uh, but not to where we felt like we we needed to do that we we were able to go forward but um, on this but we also understand where things need to go and and where we all need to work, we all need to work forward on this. And um, again, I, I think with that, we're all, we're all we're we're we've got great people in this country, and and uh, we need to bring that part out in us, as opposed to the negative, and uh, get ourselves right.
1: So this is being looked at just another example of systemic racism, and I know it is a hot topic for people considering the video and some of the information that has come out. We should say ahead of this, and this is just getting all the information out there, this is pending a civil rights investigation as to what exactly happened. The bottom line is I think this is another event that has fueled some of the reaction to the George Floyd video. And I think you're starting to see that in Kansas City. And this is part of the energy that went behind the Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew push to make sure that everybody, at least in the Kansas City area, is registered to vote. I know that that's been a initiative of Patrick's. Patrick Mahomes appeared on Sirius XM NFL radio on Thursday
4: they've done a good job of, of kind of bringing in different people to talk to us about social injustices. And then I think uh, we've done a good job amongst each other of just getting each other's perspective, uh, talking if that's at lunch or if that's just in any free time that we have, because it is, it is something that's, that's critical in our, in our country is how to find a way to be better. And uh, with the Jacob Blake shooting, I mean, it's it's just me and Travis are talking about, it. it's just crazy, man, that this is still going on in the world that we live in today. And we're going to try to set an example in whatever way possible, uh, to show that we can get along and we can really respect one another for who they are and not the color of their skin And we're hoping that just that we can get over this. I mean, it's, it's too long too long It's been too long and We're gonna try to get over this and and get to where we all treat each other equally It really
1: sounds like the chiefs and I know that there's differing opinions both in the fan base and inside the locker room but they're really presenting a united frontier And I think from a football team standpoint, that's exactly what you would want to see, where you understand, okay, there's going to be differing views, but we're in this together. Right.
2: That's exactly what you want to see in a football team. That was one of the things that always bugged me about what happened in 2016, is that it was not a united front for any team. Right. You know, you had players that did it. You had players that didn't. You know, the coaches were split on it. Um, You know, if I were running a football team, my approach at that point would have been, okay, whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it together. You know, that we're going to do this as a team. And if if you want to convince us that we should do this, then have at it. But unless we're all agreed, we're not going to do it. And I think that's fair uh, for, for a team sport to take that kind of approach to it. And the signals we're getting from the Chiefs are that whatever they do during this season to address this issue, they're going to do as a team. So I think that's great.
1: Right, that came through in some of the assistant press conference today, Mm -hmm. that it seems like no matter what happens here, whether you see a gesture, for example, kneeling during the national anthem and sign of protest, it seems like it's going to be a team decision. It isn't going to be one where some guys are standing, some guys are kneeling. Mm -hmm. We'll have to talk uh, over the next few weeks to see what's going to happen on opening night. Right before we started the podcast, the NFL and NFLPA released a joint statement saying the NFL community is united more than ever to support one another in these challenging times. We share anger and frustration most recently as a result of the shooting of Jacob Blake. While our passions continue to run high, we are proud that our players and clubs, league and union are taking time to have the difficult conversations about these issues that affect the black community and other communities of color in America. We are especially encouraged that these conversations are about how we can come together to make the necessary and long overdue changes in our country. We will continue to not only use our collective platform to call out racism and injustice whenever and wherever it occurs in our country, but also fight together to eradicate it. So the Chiefs are, of course, a part of that, and we will continue to follow this as it develops. We are making a point of it to include all of these updates on arrowheadpride.com, and we'll continue to do so. I think the big thing from Coach Reed right now is to listen. That's a message that, that he has said, and I, I think that's the right thing. And it's great to see that these players continue to push the initiative of getting people registered to vote. We won't cover it in the Mark Donovan section, but there is a, a chance, and it looks like it may happen where Arrowhead Stadium will become a polling place which is a great hub for Kansas City. I I don't know how, no matter how you feel about anything, you get mad about everybody's voice being heard in the factor of voting. And so I, I think that's something to be really proud of your Kansas City Chiefs. We'll leave it there for now. I know that there will be some controversial topics that we'll cover in the Mark Donovan section toward the end of the show, but let's get into some football news here. Kelechi Ossimile returned to the field on Thursday, and that, I think, is a big thing for the Chiefs because I think they see him as the left guard of this team, John. Would you agree?
2: I would. I mean, that was the the move they made right after they learned that uh, the good doctor, Lawrence Duvernay-Tardif, was going to opt out of the season. They immediately moved to get... Ossemley on the team, uh, so that's the the obvious thing is that let's 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 put Ossemley at left guard. We'll put Andrew Wiley at right guard, where he's actually played pretty well in his career with the Chiefs. So yes, I think they see him as a starter, and so it's excellent news that he is back on the practice field after missing a couple of days.
1: Now with Osemele back in the mix, I think you're looking at a starting offensive line as this left to right: left tackle Eric Fisher. Kelechi Osemele is your left guard. Austin Ryder is your center. Your right guard is Andrew Wiley, and your right tackle is Mitch Schwartz with Mike Remmers, the veteran who we talked about. He will probably play that six-man role that can really be plugged in anywhere across the line except for center. And so I think that's the six you're looking at. It will be interesting to see how Martinez Rankin fits in the mix once he comes off the PUP. You wonder if the Chiefs really consider him. if he does come off the PUP in these next two weeks we don't know we don't know if we see him on opening night all of a sudden that's going to be one of those mysteries we'll have to watch that leads us into our next news topic where the Chiefs have now officially signed center Daniel Kilgore John you just wrote this up for the website what do we have to know about Mr. Kilgore
2: well like Remmers he is a longtime NFL veteran 32 years old a 10 year veteran taken in the fifth round out of Appalachian State in 2011 by the 49ers Huh? App State. State. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can actually download that school if you like. Oh, there it Uh, is. There it is. Uh, He was with the 49ers uh, for eight seasons and has been with Miami for two. Uh, He missed most of the 2018 season with an injury, but started 13 games with the Dolphins in 2019 that the Dolphins just chose not to bring him back in 2020. So he's been on the couch for a little while. And of course, we knew this was. Likely to happen last Friday when we got news that he intended to sign with Kansas City, but had to come and go through the COVID screening and all that before he could enter the facility and go through the usual machinations of, uh, you know, being signed as a free agent, you know, have your workout and your physical, meet the executives, you know, work out the deal, etc., Uh, we actually had a conversation this morning where I said, well, it looks like they're not going to sign him because we hadn't heard anything. And lo and behold, he was signed via the transaction report late this afternoon. And I would just like to say, it's nice for once that we get to talk about a signing that just happened instead of nerd squad getting to do it. Because (laughs) these, these things usually happen late in the afternoon and we usually do the show in the morning. So it's always the nerd squad that gets to have the instant reaction on this. So we
1: are very. This is wonderful. Of that. Yeah, yeah, we are no jealous. That that. Yeah, I wonder what this says about. Daryl Williams, who was that undrafted free agent that we liked. Again, I haven't had eyeballs on camp, so I can't really tell you how he's looked necessarily, but I don't know if the Chiefs are making this move unless they have to. You need a backup center anyway for any year, especially mm-hmm. this year with with COVID. You need someone that is ready to step in there, and so I think he serves that purpose. John, you also do our injury roundup just in general, so what else do we need to know from Thursday?
2: Well, really, nothing new. Uh, There wasn't anybody new on the list of players who missed practice today, just the usual list of players. uh, Assembly back. Chris Jones was working with trainers on the sideline during the stretching and the individual drills, but he was in pads. There's no reason to think that he's got anything serious going on. He apparently practiced with the team. But, of course, starting with the end of the stretching and the individual drills, the reporters had to leave. So we don't really know what happened after that
1: right we are a little bit in the dark this is what happens typically during the regular season it's just very odd for this to be now the case just so far mm-hmm. before the first game right what a what an odd year this 2020 has been we continue with our coverage of the odd year after the break with some assistant coach tidbits. So we have Dave Tobe, we have Sam Madison and Mike Kafka talking about Patrick Mahomes. Keep it locked in. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show.
2: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work.
1: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show as we continue our Thursday, August 27th edition and the assistant coaches took a step up to the podium and we found out a little bit about the Chiefs position group's on Thursday, we're going to go over three quotes that stood out. It was a lot of sound today. We have articles covering each one of them at ArrowheadPride.com. And again, the full interviews will be posted to this podcast channel after media tomorrow. But we'll start with special teams coordinator Dave Tobe. And this was one of my questions because the Chiefs need gunners. They need that third phase of the game, the hidden phase of the NFL. And usually gunners will tell you, how the chiefs are thinking about some of the end of these position groups. And Topes quote, did exactly that on Thursday.
5: The gunner position is looking pretty good. I mean, we have, we have some good solid depth there and we brought a, a Antonio Hamilton in from the giants who uh, probably was the giants number one gunner uh, last year. I mean, when you put the tape on, he made a lot of plays for him. And uh, we're really happy to add him, uh, you know, to the mix. So right now I'd, I'd, I'd probably say, uh, You know, Antonio is in the lead with uh, with Pringle. You know, obviously Pringle was our gunner all year last year. And then we have a number of guys, you know, behind that behind them. I mean, he was a he was a starting gunner for us. And and he's really looking, really looking good this this offseason coming coming off his knee injury, he's looking good. And uh, other guys that can play it, uh, you know, Robinson can play it. Fenton can play it. I mean, I, there's, a, there's a number of guys that can play gunner for us. And, and some of these young guys look good, too. You know, the, you know, the Sneeds of the world and, and, and Bo Peake Keys. I mean, they're all uh, contributors, and, and they're all going to help us this year.
1: Not to say that he would necessarily fit the position because of how big he is, but notice the Chiefs didn't say Jody Fortson there, who has been a darling of mm-hmm. training camp. Mm-hmm. wonder if Camp gets that wide receiver six nod over Fortson because – You need backups for special teams as well. And so if Pringle is your main guy and and someone goes down and you need all of a sudden a gunner position and Kemp can be that guy. We knew Antonio Hamilton was a special teams ace, especially with the injury to Alex Brown. This guarantees him a key spot in that cornerback room, which can grow to more. We'll talk about that in a second, but good that the Chiefs have that position locked down. We know how important that is.
2: Right, and, and this is going to be an interesting question because Fortson really has turned a lot of heads, uh, at least the, ho- the heads that can be turned during training camp this year. And um, there'd be every reason to think in uh, a normal circumstance that he would have a really good chance to make the team, but the, the wild card with the Chiefs is always the special teams uh, and whether or not a player can contribute or not. And there's not a lot of evidence that Fortson can do that, although... He did have a uh, fumble. Uh, he forced a fumble during a preseason game last year. So it's not like he hasn't made some plays, but he's not a speedster like these other guys that we're talking about.
1: That, that quote from Andy Reid, and again, you got to be careful just trying to go off of quotes only. But that quote about Kemp being in the best football shape and Mm -hmm. the best he's ever looked on offense last year before he got hurt, and then you combine with the fact that he had to try out and they bring him back again, like to me... I just feel like maybe he has the edge over Fortson despite looking good at training camp. There's always a player, even when we're allowed to go to training camp every year that we're saying, Oh, this guy is going to be a stud and it is the gold jacket training camp award. (laughs) And he never ends up being anything. And unfortunately I think that could be Fortson here. Our eyes aren't on it. So we don't know. Uh, Again, the, the 53 man cut down, is September 5th. We do need an opposite cornerback from Charvarius Ward because Bashad Breland is missing the first four games of the NFL season. Uh, Sam Madison, the defensive backs and cornerbacks coach, he spoke to the media on Thursday. Here were his words on Rashad Fenton.
4: Alright, good. Yeah, I'll talk about Rashard Fenton right first. Um, you know, since Rashard has come here um, from South Carolina last year, you know, a late round draft pick, you know, he's just been working extremely hard. You saw later on in the season, Coach Spags was able to de- develop him and allow him you know, to play special teams, but yet and still continue to put him in positions where we played him a lot at nickel last year, um, and we did move him out to the corner a little bit, and he, he played some there. So, you know, coming into this camp, you know, he knew his exact role being able he was going to be a dual guy so you know he's playing faster you know and now have an opportunity to mix him in with the ones with the twos playing corner playing nickel is putting a lot on his plate but yet still making sure that he understands that he's going to be needed in those roles uh, later on during the season so you know with him he, he is working hard every single day I really like his work ethic that he's putting in he's making some plays he's around the ball his quickness um he, he showed some bursts um, throughout the, the course of, of this camp. So he did a lot of work on the offseason, and we're just going to put him in the best position to be able to make plays for us.
1: The other two candidates there to replace Breland at the beginning of the season are Antonio Hamilton and rookie Legere Sneed. But Madison also said later in the press availability that Sneed is not picking up on the terminology as fast. And I'm just starting to think that maybe Fenton is the favorite here. I, I had thought it might be Hamilton, but it just doesn't seem that... She, the Chiefs are as, uh, as high on him as maybe I thought they might be. I mean, they've also been at training camp practice. So when they're raving about Fenton and they're not really saying much about Hamilton when it comes to defense, it's it's making me think that okay, Fenton is going to be the guy.
2: That's a reasonable point of view, and uh, I know you you have been high on Hamilton because he did have some some spectacular plays last year as a cornerback for the Giants when he had the opportunities to do that. So I think it was reasonable to be high on Hamilton at that point. But at this point, it may be that it's an arm wrestling challenge between Tobe and Madison, at least at the beginning of the season. Tobe is probably the coordinator who uh, is damaged most by the lack of preseason games because you never really get an opportunity to see what these guys can do on special teams until uh, players are running at each other full tilt. That is in a game setting. So he hasn't had any opportunity to look at these rookies. He's going to want to have some established guys who can go out there and make plays on special teams. And he's probably going to be jealous about Antonio Hamilton at this point. Um, You know, I I know that most football fans would say, oh, that's not okay. The special teams isn't that important. Well, with the Chiefs, it is kind of that important because they've counted on special teams to be good for a long time.
1: And you got the ultimate fix for Patrick Mahomes we're going to talk about in a second. But you're also facing some pretty good teams at the beginning of the year without Breland. The Houston Texans, the LA Chargers, the Baltimore Ravens, and the New England Patriots. You're going to need that position to be a strong suit. The good thing is they drafted Snead to play cornerback. Where it gets interesting is that Fenton played primarily in the slot, and a lot of times you have three cornerbacks in the field, so you're going to need... A, say, say you've kicked Fenton out, then all of a sudden, who's playing in the slot? You may just end up going with Fenton in the slot and seeing what happens with Sneed. It was so drastic for the usage of Fenton in the slot. I pulled up the numbers. 116 regular season snaps and 67 playoff snaps as a cornerback in the slot. Only 39 regular season snaps on the outside. 35 of them were in Week 17 and only two... In the postseason on the outside, and they were both in the Super Bowl. So a vast majority Mm, of his experience with the Chiefs last year was in the slot. And that's an important role. I mean, you look at other teams right now that are in the league, a lot of times their best receiver goes to the slot and you're going to need a guy there that's really a strong player. And so maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to have that less of experience be on the outside in this new version of the NFL remains to be seen when the Chiefs only have two cornerbacks on the field. I think that's where it gets interesting for Fenton. If there's only two cornerbacks on the field, is he one of them? I don't know if you're taking him off the field. So it's a tall task. The Chiefs have asked him to do is to play both spots, and I I think – that he's going to really be thrown into the fire at the beginning uh, of the season here and and good on him for getting some of that experience and really being a pleasant surprise. He wasn't expected to be as good as he was last year and he was a solid player for the Chiefs. Now he'll have a bigger role probably at the beginning of this season.
2: And of course, we always have to uh, consider the possibility that Spagnuolo could do something really exotic, mm-hmm. uh, like put Matthew in there as the cornerback opposite Ward and move right. safeties around. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that that we might see him do in well, order to correct for this.
1: That's the thing. I mean, you talk about Pat being the ultimate fixer for the entire team because the Chiefs could win by three touchdowns and have a bad defensive game. That's how good Patrick Mahomes sure. is. Yeah. Same thing with Matthew on the other side, where you can really put him all over the field. I mean, mm-hmm. he plays any position that you have in the secondary. So if things are really going a little bit wilder than you would have wanted at halftime in the opening game, you could throw Matthew and make him a cornerback and roll with Thornhill and Dan Sorensen, who I know people feel really strongly about at this point. Right, and we've got
2: a couple of veteran safeties that we just picked up as well. So right. that gives them some additional options there.
1: Yeah. It's tough to figure out. I just haven't had eyes on it like I have in previous sure. years where I'm taking diligent notes, all training camp practice. I just don't really know exactly what the Chiefs do here. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to the quarterback's coach, Mike Kafka, on Patrick Mahomes talking about some of Mahomes' film work.
6: Pat, Pat does a phenomenal job in the, in the film room watching, studying tape, um, you know, very intricate details of, of defenders and or indicators. Uh, one one example that comes to mind was um, last year against Denver. They had brought one pressure, you know, way – this is – we were playing Denver late in, the, late in the season and they had brought a pressure maybe midway to early in the season and really it was only one time they had shown it. And we had watched it, you know, we had watched it th- throughout our blitz cut up, but, um, you know, them only bringing it one time, Pat was able to diagnose it and actually brought it in a game um, I think we hit Tyreek on the sideline on one of them, but um, he was able to at least see it at post-snap, identify, get the ball out of his hands, uh, and end ended up being a big play, a big third down conversion for us. The, the thing that Pat brings is his competitive spirit is, is, is incredible. Um, he, he, I think he's, he's able to lift and build up the guys that are in that huddle, um, build himself up as well with his confidence. Um, I think that right there is um, in, in his competitive spirit, confidence, in competitive spirit. That's that's what separates them, and that's what makes them great. I think
1: Kafka at the end there was asked to compare Patrick Mahomes to some of the great quarterbacks that he played with during his time, Tom Brady being one of them. And yes, I mean you always hear that in Patrick Mahomes, this ultra competitiveness, and one of the features of him on the field is this unc- uncanny memory, where it's really this photogenic style memory where he can see. Different schemes that he watched in film and very quickly diagnose and uh, make make an impact on the field by knowing exactly where to go with the football.
2: Yeah, I've always thought that was uh, Peyton Manning's biggest skill set was uh, his ability to have such a command of what formations looked like and immediately identify them and react to them in very very fast. And we see that in Mahomes, but Mahomes is a lot more athletic than Manning ever was. So, um, we'll see how that combination goes together over the term of his career. I, I, I Once I realized that Mahomes that had that ability, I thought, well, God, this guy can go anywhere and do anything.
1: Yeah, I think that's what you see in Mahomes that just is so rare. It is this guy who is one of the better football minds maybe of all time mm-hmm. but the athleticism is what makes him different with the arm angles and that baseball background and really being able to run and one of the better plays of his career is that titans run in the yeah. AFC championship <laughs> and that had nothing to do with diagnosing a defense and throwing a perfect pass. He just said, I'm going to ball out. I'm going to break these tackles and got into the end zone. That's what's so great about Patrick Mahomes is he just finds ways to win. So those are your assistant coaches. We have the write-ups coming at arrowheadpride.com. I'm also going to put all of their full press conferences on a from the podium tomorrow. So look out for that as we go along here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. You're listening right now to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. If you listen to everything on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, you heard from Chiefs President Mark Donovan. We posted that to our podcast network yesterday. 27 minutes of Mark Donovan talking about really some controversial issues. This is always a press conference that sometimes feels more important to the reporters than it does the fans because (laughs) there's a lot that really doesn't impact the fans as much as, as I I think, in 2020. And so yesterday, Mark Donovan was talking about the Chiefs mask policy. And I know there were a lot of reports. I saw the Athletic and the Kansas City Star that were calling out Arrowhead Stadium a little bit for their test last Saturday with the 2000 fans and maybe some fans not wearing their mask
3: yeah for those of you who are at the stadium, um, I hope you'll agree with this statement in um, talking with dr. Archer about his what he has heard about our event last Saturday um, you know protocols were followed. I was very impressed with our fans and their ability and their compliance with putting on their mask as soon as they are approaching someone you know I was very impressed that parking in the tailgate area they were wearing masks for the most part um, and it, and this is not an excuse, and I wanna be crystal clear on this. Uh, We have to do a lot more to your question to continue to communicate, to make people aware that it is really important, even in your seats, to wear your mask. But for all of us in Kansas City, I used this example with Dr. Sills from the NFL the other day, and he, he actually fed it back to me that it's the exact same situation in Nashville. If you think about our experience over the last few months, where we're going out to restaurants and we're actually interacting in public, we're going to schools. You know, my experience this past weekend in the plaza going to a restaurant with my wife is very consistent with our experience across any sort of public interaction. As Soon as we get out of the car, we put our mask on. And when we're traversing to the restaurant, we put our mask on. We see the hostess to get our seat, we have our mask on. We walk to our table, we have our mask on. We sit down at our table, we take our mask off. And we don't put it back on in between eating and drinking, right? So our normal process is that and i think that's one of the things that came across on saturday was you know i talked to a few of our season ticket members and i said just i need to enforce this i need to reinforce the importance of wearing the mask in the stands and the dad looked at me and said mark i wore the mask everywhere you told me to i'm sitting in a seat there's no one within 10 feet of me and i'm with my family who i sleep with and eat with and and spend all my time without without a mask I appreciate it, but it's 95 degrees and hot. I took my mask off for a minute. And I said, look, I hear you, I hear you loud and clear. But as we get more people in, as we're closer together, we have more interactions, more um, cross traffic, we all have to be disciplined. And, and that's really where we are. So to your question on enforcement, we'll have more people, we'll have more staff, we'll have more messaging. We'll you'll see some stuff this Saturday which is very in-your-face um, signage, you know. <laughs> we're gonna walk up and down aisles with a little sign that says, hey, wear your mask, even if you're sitting. Um, so we got a lot to learn, we got a lot to work through, um, and we need a lot of cooperation from our fans to make this successful.
1: The Chiefs are having another season ticket holder event this Saturday. I know that there are going to be some broadcasts of it online. I believe the Chiefs are doing some online broadcast of the practice as well. So if you're not able to go out there as one of the season ticket holders, you might be able to gain some insight online. I, I think our nerd guys are going to try to do a reaction to it. I hope we learn something. I don't know how this is going to go. Like everything, we're sort of just flying by the seat of our pants at, at this point. But back to the masks. I'm not going to be one of these reporters or journalists that's going to come on here and say you should be wearing your masks. I think, personally, that's a little bit tired. I think it's going to be a rule that is enforced at Arrowhead Stadium. And I think for fans to to continually be invited back on the first opening night, it can't be a situation where it is wild, where fans are just taking their masks off. I mean, I think they could very easily go back and say, we're not going to do this. So what I would encourage is if you're able to go out to Arrowhead Stadium and afford the tickets, which we're going to get to in just a second, that... You just wear this thing. And not to say that it is your constitutional right. I'm not getting into all of that. I don't even care about, you know, oh, I do care about it, but whatever. I'm not going to get into the reasons that you should do it for general public health. I think if you want to continue to see Chiefs football at Arrowhead Stadium, it's going to be pivotal for you to wear this thing.
2: And then that is the bottom line. I mean, it was entirely predictable that after the Chiefs had 2,000 fans in Arrowhead Stadium on Saturday, there would be pictures of fans in the stadium not wearing masks. You simply can't have a group of 2,000 people and a situation like this and uh, not have a few of them don't have their masks on at any given time. I mean, just think about your experience going around in the world today. If you go to the Walmart or the Target or whatever, you're going to run across somebody that didn't have their mask on for whatever reason, and that's going to happen at Arrowhead Stadium. What Donovan is saying is that people need to be disciplined enough to make it a habit so that we don't have photographs getting back to league headquarters in New York and on media outlets across the country showing vast swaths of the stadium not wearing masks. Everybody understands there could be one well, you don't have your mask on. And as Donovan said, I get it, man. I get it. But they can't be a th- it can't be a thing where this is not something that is done normally or there won't be Chiefs games
1: with fans at Arrowhead this season. That's just the bottom line. I think it's even pivotal that fans follow it this weekend. I think if this weekend goes so poorly again, I think there might be some talks about maybe going back. I Mm -hmm. I liked Mark Donovan's statement in the sense that he wants fans there. And and again, this is at least what the Chiefs are saying. And and I think to some extent, I believe them where when the banner goes up, they want to have fans in the stadium. I think you get Mm -hmm. that a little bit. This is supposed to be a moment. I mean, this is... Otherwise, this would be an Arrowhead Stadium loud moment. It's oh deafening. Gosh. and Oh, yeah. And so at least you get 22%, which equates to somewhere between 16,000 and 17,000 fans. Like I said, I'm not here to make a take on whether that's the right or wrong thing to right. do. Right. I think it'll be a good moment, right? I I, th- I really do. I think it'll be nice to have fans there, but I just think it's so crucial if they're going to continue to do that is for fans to just follow the protocols. It should be interesting. It, the Arrowhead experience where... You're going to need to have at least some people doing things that they don't want to do. (laughs) Good luck. I mean, it was enough to try to get them out of the parking lot. We'll see how this goes. I know that tickets have been awfully high for even for season ticket holders who are used to them at a certain price. And Mark Donovan got into that when he was asked about it again on this conference call.
3: What we did in putting together our plan for how do we take a stadium from 76, 75, 76,000 seats down to 16,000 seats and equally and fairly distribute those tickets to our season ticket members. Um, As you can imagine, when you do the math, it's pretty quickly. You can't. Um, So what we did was we said all season ticket members will have the opportunity to move their tickets to 21. There'll be benefits and incentives to do that. We've locked in their pricing, flat pricing for next year. They have the opportunity to win free tickets to games. Um, There are a lot of different benefits that are in there. Our season ticket um, sales staff has done a great job on. And then we sat down and said, how do we make this fair and equitable in terms of the tickets we do have? On the pricing issue, in May, when our schedule, right around May when our schedule was released, we announced our single game ticket pricing. In May when we announced those prices, we were assuming we were going to have 76,000 people in the stadium. And those prices were based on a lot of very complicated algorithms and data that we use to understand the market and understand what the value of those tickets are in this market. Before we reduced to 16,000 seats, before we went through any of these changes, we set those prices. Those prices. We haven't changed those prices. They're exactly what they were. Those are single game prices, and they're based on the value of those tickets in the marketplace. I know there's been a lot, and we completely understand and expected the response, because it is a significant jump. Number one, that's the value of having a season ticket member having a season ticket plan. You have the benefit of those prices, those ticket prices being much below market value, but you're committed to the full season. The single game option gives you the option to pay a little more, in some cases a lot more, because you're buying one game. So you're not you're not obligated to buy the full season. You're buying one game and you're paying what the market rate is. Now, I defend the market rate, and I think most of you who are, in this, uh, who are interested in this issue will probably have already done the research. We're pretty good from a data standpoint, an algorithm standpoint, and our team of understanding what it, the ticket's really worth and being below that number. So even though, again, acknowledging that there's significant jumps, a person who buys a ticket to our Houston Texans game today at the price that we're selling at can put that in the secondary market that minute and make more money. Hundreds of dollars more based on their location. In some cases, you know, a $400 ticket is going for $1,000 on the secondary marketplace. So what we're trying to do is be fair, but represent the
1: market. You know what? In a weird way, I kind of understand this, right? So like what he's explaining at the end there, if if a ticket is bought at face value for $100, I mean, you know, and, and I'm just making it up, right? I don't know yeah. what the prices are. Let's yeah. say the well, upper bowl on a typical day. Yeah. yeah. That $100 ticket, now that you're lessening the amount of people that can go to banner night, that, of course, is going to be flipped. So it looks like and sounds like the Chiefs are at least just trying to get close or in the ballpark to what it's going to be flipped for. And I know in the same breath, and this is where it gets a little bit dicey, they're saying oh, we're not trying to make money here. You can't really necessarily say both things, but at the same time, I, I understand where they're getting at with the market pricing. Now, you're not going to be able to afford to probably go to more than one game, but if you have the opportunity to purchase a banner night ticket, that, that's sticking out to me because I feel like that would be, if I was just a typical fan, that would be the one game that I would want to go to where it might be worth it, after that, I would say, I'll, I'll buy them for your market price. And if you're saying what you're saying, I will flip it for $1,000. But some fans just want to go to all the games. And I, I think it's those fans that are probably the loudest about this.
2: Right. Well, and it, I don't think the Chiefs just did this this year. I know there's a tendency on the part of a lot of fans, I've seen some reactions along these lines, that the Chiefs are doing this because they can that they're trying to bring back the revenue that they're losing by not filling the stadium. But I don't think that's what's happening here. Now, let's be clear here. Um, You know, Donovan is saying that they have not changed the single game prices from what they were when they announced in May and thought they were going to have a full stadium for every game. But I'm pretty sure that the Chiefs instituted what they call dynamic single game pricing before this year. You're right. You're right. This is not the first time that they've done this. It just gets really dynamic when you
1: have 22%. Right. Right.
2: Well, and especially if you've been a season ticket member for 10 years and you've never bought a dynamically priced single game ticket. You know, you have no knowledge of what these prices are. And when Donovan said, we announced these ticket prices back in May, okay, they did. But they didn't put it in a press release. I went back and looked and the press releases from that time do not show what those ticket prices are. You had to go to chiefs.com to look them up. And people who had season tickets at that time didn't do that because they had no reason to know what they are. And the fact of the matter is these tickets have been worth more than season ticket members have been paying for a while now. And if Donovan is saying that the prices haven't changed since May, I think he's right. But right now, it looks bad because it looks like the Chiefs are trying to be opportunists. But I don't think that's what's really happening. I think they're I think they just doing what they would have done anyway.
1: Yeah. I, again, I, I understand the common fan just wants to go to a, a damn game. Sure. And, and, yeah. and for sure, I, I think about that. But I understand a little bit on this one. And I'm not always going to side with the Chiefs. I understand a little bit on this one. So I'll just say that. Last point from Donovan that I want to hit, and this has been another controversial topic. It just is controversy on controversy in twenty twenty. Uh, now, Native American headdresses and face paint that's themed in in the sense of uh, Native Americans that is now banned from Arrowhead Stadium. Here are some comments from Donovan on uh, that front.
3: We've been doing this for six and a half years. Um, this isn't a new issue for us, and. I shared some personal stories of, you know, the first few meetings, Johnny Leonard reached out to me and said, can we have coffee? And he explained sort of, here's how this is viewed and here are some of the issues that we should be discussing. We set up a, a larger meeting with people and, and got into the depth of that. And, and I walked away from that first meeting, you know, a little bit embarrassed about my lack of knowledge and a little bit inspired about if you have the knowledge, it becomes pretty clear. Now, everybody's going to have opinions on all these issues, and I respect that. Um, But for me personally, I, I didn't understand what a headdress or a war bonnet was. I didn't understand what it represented. And to have an American Indian explain the sacredness of that and how every single feather is earned and what it means in their community, it's a pretty easy answer. Let's educate people. Let's share that story. Let's create awareness around that. And you know the, the great thing about our working group is that there's was, there was good discussion about it. Well, how do we do that? And then how do we have set a realistic goal? And the realistic goal we had was if we can just explain this to a fan we see in the parking lot who's wearing a headdress, we feel confident that we'd convert them into you know, you can face, you can paint your face, you can wear a crazy hat, you can wear a wig, you can wear a headband, you can wear jewelry, you can you can create your own character. Do all that. Be a fan. But understand, you know, just throwing the headdress on because you bought it at a 5 and dime store and think it's cool, it's not. To
1: me this is simple too. Just don't wear a headdress. And you don't need to to enjoy the game. It, why you don't have to necessarily be I I just think that enthusiastic that you have to wear a headdress. And obviously this is part of the chief's effort to get away from the idea that this is a mascot of a native American Indian. And I, I think they're trying their hardest to, to keep the name they're trying their hardest right now to keep the chop and the drum. And they're working with local native American groups to do that. And this is just a non-option. It's a non-option to have fans continually wearing headdresses, even if all that other stuff stays.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important, too, to note that this didn't just start with Mark Donovan six and a half years ago. Right. This has actually been part of an ongoing process for this franchise for decades and decades. Um, You know, in the early years of the franchise in Kansas City, they did not have a good record. That original logo of the Chiefs with the cartoon Indian wearing the loincloth and the headdress waving a tomahawk across the six states that the Chiefs serve, by modern standards, that's that's no bueno. That's no good. And they got rid of that logo in the late 60s. And the the original war paint ridden by a white man in a buckskin outfit and a headdress, bareback. Right no bueno and they got rid of that in the early 70s and came and when they did re- restore war paint to the pre-game ritual and to into the arrowhead stadium experience now it's a woman in a cheerleader outfit who's using a saddle to ride the horse and uh so you know it's not like the chiefs just figured this out they have been making moves to move away from that kind of imagery for a long time. And in fact, as you may remember back in the 90s, well, maybe you won't remember this, but I do. They (laughs) actually said they were going to turn off the chop and people got very upset. And they now realize they can't just do that. They have to educate people and make them understand what that really means to Native Americans. And that's why they're having this dialogue. This is all about keeping the name. This right. is all about not suddenly becoming the Kansas City football team while they desperately figure out what the right. team is going to be called going forward. And in that way, I, I, just on that basis, I support it. Nobody wants to have to change the name of their sports team. So this is a way the Chiefs are trying to work towards a way to not have to do that. And so I'm in favor of it just on that basis alone.
1: And I mean, it is offensive when you have drunk guys in headdresses wearing something that matters so much to that culture. It's just impossible to argue against that. And so I'm happy that the Chiefs are are going in this direction. And I'll shed some light on this too. I I worked from Chiefs.com if you've been following me long enough and you followed my days at Chiefs.com from, I guess it was 14 to 17. I was in the media department and it was told to me by some of my superiors that if you see something anywhere in the stadium or within the company that has Native American imagery to let people know because they were just trying to get away from that. And they have been since I've been in Kansas City, which is covering this team now for six and six or seven years and it's ongoing. And so I think that's the direction that they were going in anyway. 2020 certainly expedited that a little bit. Yeah. As much as everything else in the world that, you know, I think for lack of better terms. And and this is going to be a moment where even I'm saying, but I think a lot of people are just getting more woke to what matters out there and and what offends people. And I think we're trying to become a better world and place. And I, I just think that this is a small thing in Chiefs fandom to do. And it'll make, I think, an entire culture feel a little bit better. Now, there are certain people that that say this isn't enough, and the Chiefs need to go further and change the name. And I think that they'll continue to have those discussions, and we'll just have to figure out what the best course of action is here. But th- this is certainly a first step, and, and we'll see how it goes. Well, that's it. Right, we got through a lot of uh, controversy here on <laughs> the Arrowhead Pride Thursday edition of the editor's show Here's what the cards and letters, <laughs> right? That's right. Here's what's coming up. I mentioned from the podium. So we'll put all those assistant coach press conferences on that one tomorrow. We'll also have some more pressers tomorrow. I believe Eric Biennemi will be speaking and and some players. We won't get that list until a little bit later. So I'm not really sure. So that'll come on on Friday. That'll be a a fairly long edition for you from the podium if you want to continue to stay updated on this team, get some details. We talked about the Mark Donovan from the podium on Saturday, a special edition of the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. They're going to be reacting to what Chiefs.com show you of practice. I am not optimistic about this, but the guys wanted to do it. I said, you know what? Content is content. You guys can do it if you want. So You'll get a bonus edition of the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory that will be coming at you on Saturday. At some it may point. only
2: be about Kent's sleeves, for all we know.
1: Yeah, or Matt's sleeves, or, or Craig's or, renaissance or man hair or, type or, yeah, of deal. Right, yes, yeah. and, Which is fine, and I know the people love that as well. On Sunday, we'll have another From the Podium wrapping up training camp, and then it'll be the game week before the game week and we are going to be dangerously close after sunday to some real live football we hope it goes well i hope you enjoyed this edition of the arrowhead pride editors show you can get john at arrowheadphones on twitter i'm at pgsween of course follow at arrowhead pride keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com for all your chiefs news and updates we will be back with you for another edition of this show on tuesday thank you very much for listening to the arrowhead pride editors show